Welcome to the Next Level Podcast. You are about to hear an inspirational message from one of our youth services. It is our prayer that this message brings encouragement and a blessing to your life. To find out more about Next Level Youth, visit us on the web at palaceofpraise.com or on Instagram at Next Level Youth Group. The body of Christ, the worldwide church, and the local church. If you don't know what the local church is, this is the local church. The Palace of Praise the church down the street, that's the local church. The church locally is making sure you knew, hey, it's okay if you don't, all right? Both, the worldwide church, the local church, are meant to be a foretaste of what heaven is like here on earth. A foretaste. Maybe you don't know what that means, that's okay. A foretaste is a sample or suggestion of something that lies ahead. When someone walks into the church, it will never literally be like heaven on earth. It might feel like it, it might be great, it might be awesome, but we won't feel that. We won't experience full out, full blown heaven until we cross over to the other side, until you either die or God comes back. But in the meantime, the church, when someone walks into the local church, we, this place is meant to be a foretaste, a sample, an appetizer, if you will, of heaven here on earth. Do you hear me? Are you with me? Are you sure? When, we walk into the, when people walk into the local church and when people cross paths with us, when someone who is a member of the body of Christ, we are representatives of heaven here on earth. Are you hearing me? If you want to go read about what your life should look like if someone to experience someone who is like heaven on earth, someone who is close to Christ, someone who's walking with him, if you want to read what your life should look like, write down, go read Romans 12, 9 through 21 on your own. I was going to read it, I'm not. If you want to just see what a foretaste of heaven on earth is in the local church, read Acts 2, 42 through 47. Go read about that church. If you want to see more of what heaven on earth is like, a foretaste of it, we're going to get there in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, here tonight. One major aspect that cannot be overlooked when we're talking about the local church being a sample of heaven on earth is that we are to have unity among our diversity. Unity among our diversity. Let me explain. The body of Christ, the local church even, is meant to be diverse. Diverse meaning this. The local church should be composed of people of different Races, different ethnicities, different socioeconomic background, di- different countries of origin, different economic status, different being raised differently, people of different hobbies, different interests, different past, people of different talents, gifts, and abilities, people with different calling and purpose. That's just a little bit of what we mean when we say the church 
should be diverse. No one should be, no church should be a carbon copy. Everybody's the same. That's not the way it's meant to be. Now, if you live in a community and that's all that it is, that's one thing. But I don't know if you looked around. Popper Bluff is much more diverse than you might know. Church in Popper Bluff is going to look a little different than church in Brosley. And I'm using Brosley because I was from Brosley. But I don't know if you looked around. Popper Bluff is a pretty diverse town. Is it not? And you should get a little bit of a taste of that here in the church. There should be diversity in the church. And even though the church is meant to be diverse, we are also meant to be marked by a unity that only can be described as being supernatural. Let me tell you what I mean. Unity meaning harmony, a condition of harmony. Unity meaning a quality of state of not being multiple. We are one. That's unity. Supernatural meaning it is unable to be achieved by just human nature and willpower, but something supernatural, the power of the Holy Spirit, is the one who can bring about this unity we're talking about here on earth. In the high priestly prayer, Jesus is praying. This is the longest recorded prayer of Jesus, and we actually preached all the way through this prayer at the beginning of last year. But Jesus says this, in John 17, 21. He's praying for us. He's about to go to the cross. He's about to endure the most painful death. And this is what Jesus says, just part of his prayer, one verse of it. He's saying, God, I wish that they may, he didn't say wish, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. God, I pray that they are one. As you and I are one, that the church is one. But culture and the enemy, the devil specifically, despises unity. Despises it. Culture despises it as a whole. If you don't believe me, just dig a little bit. But most definitely the enemy despises unity and wants to do everything in his power to divide us and get us solely focused on our differences more than our similarities. Are you tracking with me? Are you alive? Okay. Are we different? Yeah. We are different. Is God asking us to forget that we're different? No, He is not. Diversity is to be celebrated, is not to be left behind. And God isn't asking the church to leave behind parts of who we are, at least the parts that aren't sinful. You with me? You tracking with me? But He is calling us to not let such things divide us. We should be a diverse body, different people, different backgrounds, look different, raise different, but we have the supernatural unity about us. And when people see that, it's like seeing heaven on earth. I don't know if you knew this or not, but in heaven, we're not going to be divided by country. We're not going to be divided by race. 
We're not going to be divided at all. We're all going to coexist together as one. And the church is meant to be a foretaste of that. Are you tracking with me? We've got a lot more in common than what the enemy wants us to believe, than what culture tells us we do. Humans, although very different, are also pretty similar. It's amazing to me that I will go through a a struggle in my life, a fight, and then someone will come along and they'll talk to me either as I'm going through what they are or after. And it's, it, it blows my mind how we're not that different, that our struggles are, are pretty similar. Has anybody ever experienced what I'm talking about? I'm just trying to open your eyes and make sure you understand we're really not all that different. And in the church... We're meant to keep the main thing the main thing. And that's what unifies us. We have the same goal, ultimate goal, the same ultimate mission, the same ultimate purpose here on earth. And tonight, I'm not here to preach to the world or the churches in the nation. I'm here to preach to you. I'm here to address us right here right now for one nobody is flipping listen to me in florida or new york or afghanistan like i'm preaching to you right here right now and so the question is this this is the big question and this is going to be a lot different tonight and i it is a fight i'm fighting right now even just to communicate with you it's a fight it's been a fight all day long and all week long the big question is this, is, is Next Level Youth, as we stand right here, right now today, a unified body of believers? Are we? Are we a diverse group of people who are brought, to get, brought together by our pursuit of Christ and His kingdom? Are we marked by our unity? Or are we divided? Are we letting our differences get between us? So tonight we're going to go to Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. And this goes against what I like to do. I don't, I'm very cautious with Scripture. And I don't like to try to make Scripture say something that it doesn't. And my preference is to try to break Scripture down as much as possible and talk about its context as much as possible because I don't want to twist the Scripture I don't want to make it say something that it doesn't because one day I'm going to have to stand before God and everything I say as I speak to people about the Word of God, I will have to give an account for. And so as I prepare, I'm not perfect. I miss the mark, but I do my best. And that's why I just feel compelled to let the Scripture speak and to try to break it down verse by verse as much as possible. But tonight, I'm going to talk in more of a general sense. And I truly believe, dig into it, dig into this passage when you go home, dig into Ephesians as you go home, or just dig into the overall narrative of the Bible, and you're like, I'm already reading a bunch of chapters a day, bro, like get off of me. Well, if if you want to know if I'm on or if I'm wrong, study it for yourself. But tonight, I'm going to talk to us, right here, right now, where we're at specifically as a youth group 
And I believe everything I say you can find right here in these six verses. And it's not out of context, and I'm not twisting God's Word. And I say all these things not to waste time, but just to let you know I take this very seriously. And I'm not above reproach. Meaning, if you look at me and say, hey, that's not right, let's talk about it. Okay? Thank you. That's what I'm talking about. Thanks, Thanks, Kiasha. Anyway, title, if you want to give tonight a title, is simply this. We're in this together. We're in this together. Okay? Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Let's read it. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. That's Paul talking. I mean, we talk a lot about him, don't we? Urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That's a lofty verse. With all humility, humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Tonight I'm going to use these six verses to talk about here at Next Level Youth who we should and who we should not be as a body. I'm going to talk about what youth is, what this is, and what this isn't. And the first thing I'm going to bring out is this. Slide number one. Point number one. Next Level Youth is not exclusive. Next Level Youth is not exclusive. That means we don't just exist for some. We don't just exist for some races, some ethnicities, some people, some rich, some poor. We don't just exist for people who think the same way about everything. We don't just exist for people who dress the same way. Are you with me? We don't just exist for people who know how to act in church. We don't just exist for people who are raised in church. We exist for everyone. And everyone is welcome here. Although, that is true. That everyone is welcome here. Our ultimate goal, and we're not quiet about it, we're very vocal about it, is of course that our ultimate goal is for everyone to respond to the gospel, to respond to the call that Paul is writing about here in verse 1 of chapter 4, to respond to the call and live in light of the gospel that Paul breaks down in Ephesians 1 through 3 and in many other books of the Bible. But here's the thing. Even if people don't, except Jesus, they're still welcome to be here. They're still welcome to come. Are they going to lead people in worship? No. But they're welcome to be here, and we want you to be here. If you're here tonight and you say, I, you know, I don't know about this Jesus stuff, that's okay. I'm glad you're here. I want you to know Jesus, but ultimately, this is where we mess up, and I want you to hear me out. Hear me out. This kind of clicked with me. Even There are some things that you know, 
deep down, but you live differently even though you don't realize you live differently. So then you really don't know. Am I going over your head? Are you with me? So I was listening and I, I was on Instagram and this, this preacher, and I don't, he's not my favorite. I'm just being honest, but he's, he's, he's popular. His name's Judah Smith. You might have heard of him. But he said something, and it stuck with me, and it resonated with me, and I was like, that's true, and we got to change our perspective on that. As a youth pastor, and as someone who's been in church a long time, how I communicate and what, what I would say my goal is, and I've said too many times, even though it's true, but hear me out, I'm getting somewhere, is that I want you to fall in love with God. That's what I want. That's what we push. That's how, what I feel like my job is, is we need to get people to fall in love with Jesus. We need to get people to fall in love with Jesus. But really, that's not how it works. Instead of convincing people that they need to fall in love with Jesus, we need to communicate, show, talk, speak, try to help convince people that Jesus loves them. But too often we get that flip-flopped. We're like, you just need to fall in love with God. It's like, no, you, you need to know that God loves you and experience that love. And then what we do is we respond to that love. It doesn't work the other way around. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. I'll prove it to you in the, the, the book, the story of Scripture is not man being in pursuit of God. It's God being in pursuit of man. Read it. First John 4, 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so we might live through Him. In this is love. This is love. Not that we love God, but He loved us and sent His Son as the propitiation, the full payment for our sins. I don't know why this has been on my mind so much lately, but my wife has heard me talk about it a lot these past few weeks. It's been on my mind a lot. But I've been thinking about the history of this youth group. And specifically, these past six and a half years that I've been here, I've been thinking a lot about that. And if you were to look around today, the way we stand here today in February, on February 16th of 2022 is a lot different. We look a lot different than we did three or four years ago. And some of you know what I'm talking about, and some of you have no clue. But back in the day, back a few years ago, I'm getting somewhere, so please just hang with me and hear my heart. We had a lot of students coming who didn't know Jesus, were not raised in church, had not the, the slightest idea, never even maybe been in a church. We had a lot of that. Their families didn't come here. And in the midst of those years, I heard a lot of scrutiny 
about it. And because things would happen, as do when a bunch of unchurched people come to youth group. We had fights, had people cussing, uh, found vapes. I mean, I just keep going. Like, I got phone calls from the principal at the high school. It's like, dude, some of them kids you got coming, I wouldn't let them come to my church. He was a pastor. I had parents come to me concerned, saying, I'm worried about my kid being at youth group. Like, I heard all that, and I, and I, I dove into all that, and I prayed about all that. But in the midst of all that, it was like there were two groups of people. And you could see the divide. You could see it. Now, you can say, sit here and say, yeah, they didn't know Jesus. Yeah, yeah, no, duh. I understand that. But some of them ended up knowing Jesus. But there wasn't a lot of interaction between those two groups of people. And you can say, well, they didn't want to interact with, with the church kids. Well, I would argue that the church kids, and I, I throw quotes up as I say church kids, should have been the one the ones to interact with them. But instead, oftentimes what I heard and dealt with and observed was people had this mentality that these people that were coming and causing these problems were a hindrance. That's flawed thinking. And I had meetings and I talked to parents And this is not an attack on you. Hear my heart tonight. Hear my heart. I am not upset with you. I'm not angry with you. I'm not trying to condemn you. Hear my heartbeat. Hear hear where I'm getting at. But the thing the Lord kept telling me to communicate, and some of these people are long gone. They're not leaders anymore. They're not in youth anymore. Just hear me out. These people that you view as a hindrance are not a hindrance at all. They were an opportunity. It was an opportunity. And I could go through, y'all. I could go through, and I still... I still have all of the visitors' cards in my office. And I can look at them, and I counted them. There's... Like 700 of them. None of those people were a hindrance. It was an opportunity. And I just wondered, did we, did we miss it? But ultimately I know that they heard the gospel. And then I got a chance along with others. I was not the only one. I was not the only one that didn't view them as a hindrance. Hear me clearly. But those students got to hear the gospel and they got to be welcomed into a church when other churches across town, and I'm not dogging any of them, would kick them out and didn't want them. And there were times where I had to kick students out. Don't get me wrong. But that that wasn't a, a hindrance. It was an opportunity. And as long as we view people of the world coming into our church and being a part of our youth group that we have going on as a hindrance instead of an opportunity, all we're going to get is people who are just like us. 
Now, this is tough to think this way, to preach this way, to try to get a youth group to think this way, because the time, by the time that you get this, sometimes, then you leave and you move on, and I have to start instilling this into the next group of students. So it's pretty hard to see the fruit of this and the fruit of the heartbeat of me, which I believe is the heartbeat of God. Now, I also know that there are times that people aren't ripe for the gospel. And, and those people will come and they will go. But just hear my heartbeat. Like, if we, they never feel at home here, they're not going to stay. And are we so, and I haven't even got to point two yet. I don't really care. But are we so just inclusive? Excuse me, exclusive? Wrong word. Where it's just about us. And I'll say this, and I'm going to move on. I also want you to know that I understand that when you come here, you want this to be a safe place where you're not called out for your faith, and your faith is built. And I want you to know there's a balance to all this. But just hear the heartbeat of what I'm trying to say, is that when someone comes in here, they should be welcome. And no matter how unchurched they are, in quotes, they're not a hindrance to what God's doing. Do you hear me? This is not the old covenant, people. This is the new covenant. This is for everybody. Anyway. We have to believe that no one is too far gone. No one has sinned too much. No one is living in a life of darkness that light can't bust through and invade. No one is hopeless. Stop looking at people like they're hopeless. All right, let's keep going. Anybody offended yet? <laughs> I'm going. I don't care if you are or not. If you are, you can talk to me after service, and I'll, I will line things out. I am not above reproach. I am not. You can come talk to me. I, I will listen. We might not agree, but I will listen. Okay. Is this okay? I don't, you know what? I don't care if it is. Number two. Can you put up number two for me? Yes. This is a long one. Next level youth. None of us are perfect. We don't act like we are. And because none of us are perfect, none of us are above reproach. You've heard me say that word, approach. Reproach, excuse me, a lot, right? Reproach. Correction. Rebuke. None of us, including me. Verse two, if you were to break it down, or if you were to, Ephesians 4.2 says this, with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. 
Verse 3 says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We should be humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another. Because following Christ is hard. And we need each other. None of us have arrived, including me, not even close. And this isn't just some youth group or some group of people that are just, it's not just supposed to be catered for some kind of spiritual elite. Do you understand what I'm getting at here? I hope you do. This is what human nature does. And this invades people in the church, all right? Two things. We want grace for us, and we want judgment for everybody else. Hear me. Our tendency is that when we mess up, when we screw up, we want to run to God and we want grace. We want to be forgiven. And when we see our brothers and sisters stumbling, oftentimes, what do we want? What's our human nature want? We want judgment. Get them, God. Get them. Sick them. Show them who's boss. Show them how bad they are. Why do we want grace for us and judgment for everyone else? Who do we think we are? I'm talking to my own human nature and my own human condition that I have to overcome and die to. And oftentimes, number two, we want to use the Bible as a magnifying glass for everyone else instead of letting it be a mirror for us. So what we want to do is we want to take the Bible, we want to open it up, and we, I don't know if you know what a magnifying glass is. Your grandparents might have one with their trifocals, and then they got their, they got their uh, what I already forgot what I was calling it, a magnifying glass, and they're sitting there reading. You know what I'm talking about? And then their Bible's jumbo print. It's insane. Praise be to God. I'm not there yet. Hallelujah. Anyway, we want to be like, hey, look how, look how bad you are. Can we correct brothers in Christ? Yes. But let not the Bible just be a magnifying glass. It needs to be a mirror. And as we read it, we see our true reflection and we see who we truly are. And the Bible cuts to our core and it shows us how flawed we are. 